Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today I am I'm so I'm solo. Just so you guys know, I am solo, but I do have a friend here with me. Jen is in New York City for the weekend, enjoying her time with her husband. I think this is her first time officially alone, alone, uh, traveling without Ellie. So I hope you're having fun, Jen. But today I have a fellow reseller friend and mom with me. Her name is Maggie. Hello, Maggie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. So Maggie's a longtime listener. We just sat and talked for like over 15 minutes. <laughs> so I think we get to know each other a little bit. But um, you have a very interesting background. So as soon as you messaged us on Instagram, I was like, yes, you need to come on because your background is, it totally makes sense why you got into reselling. But I want to hear your story as to like how you even found reselling, what kind of brought you to it, and just a little bit about yourself. Okay. Yeah. So I, like everybody else, when I was younger, I was, you know, selling my clothes at the buy, sell trade, you know, doing all that. I had to buy a lot of my own clothes. So if I wanted to wear Abercrombie, I had to figure out a way to get it affordable. So I would buy, sell trade or shop on eBay. And I kind of just was using that as a way to afford more clothes. And then as I got older, I would think, oh, I would find a great deal on something and be like, I should sell this on eBay. But when I was like 17 and it's just like back then to take a picture on your phone and then load it onto your computer. And yep. I didn't have a laptop. We had a home computer and it just seemed really cumbersome for, you know, a little bit of profit for an item. So I never did that. And it wasn't until 2015. So I have three kids and my oldest, he was two at the time and I was working at an interior design for 10 years. And I was at like a shopping, like a, like a TJ Maxx type store mm. and found a uh, aisle of Steve Madden sandals for $8 and they were all in the box. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had just downloaded Poshmark because I was trying to find a dress that I wanted to wear. And I was like, oh, maybe I could sell in here. I had sold some of my own things. This was like back in the days for photos and everybody used to filter like yeah. old. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe I could flip this. And I bought a pair and I sold them that night for like 20 bucks. So I only made like doubled my money. But yeah, but you were hooked. <laughs> I was hooked. I went back the next day and I bought every pair they had. <laughs> then I went back to the other location of the store the next day. I bought every pair they had. And then I called my mom in Tennessee and said, you go to yours and bought every pair they had. And I ended up making like $300 in the span of a month, just selling these sandals. And the more I did it, the more confident I got. And I could hold out a little longer for a better price because I know they'll sell. And I was just hooked. So I would, after work, I would pick my little boy up from daycare and we would go to these like discount stores. And I pretty much did retail arbitrage for fun whenever I found something. Like it wasn't, it was a hobby really at that point. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just was hooked and I would just flip stuff as I found it. And yeah, I was hooked, but I was doing full-time interior design at the time. So talk about your interior design job. Like, yeah. what did you do? Who'd you work for? Did you have your own business? Like, what was that yeah. like? So that's what I went to college for. I've always loved interior design. I grew up, my dad owned a building supply business. His cousins were builders. I mean, used to go for fun to like homes that were being built to like look at the floor plan. I mean, I just mm. loved everything about homes. So that's what I went to college for. More of the architectural aspect of it. I did like yeah. kitchen and bath design, renovations that kind of stuff. And I loved it. But my husband's job 
had when he was in graduate school and then he had training. So we've moved around quite a bit for that. So I've had a few different iterations of the job. Yeah. Um, doing exclusively home renovations. And then I worked at a kind of a high-end furniture store where I learned a lot about buying and selling. I'm like, we go to market and things like that. Um, and then when we moved here, we're at, I live in Charleston, South Carolina now. Okay. And um, we moved here when I had two kids at the time and they were two and four and I only wanted to work part-time. So I found just like a side, like in job for, it was really high-end interior designer. Um, and I worked for her for like three months. And then my manager came to me and was like, we're closing this location. So I didn't have a job again. And I was like, man. Worst. And we thought we were only going to live here for three years at that time. So my kids were two and four and I knew I wanted to have another baby. So I um, was like drowning out my sorrows. It's, am I droning on too much? No, 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 not at <laughs> <Sorry>. all. <laughs> so no, I was like, drowning out my sorrows about not having a job and wanting to have another baby, but not like can I have a job and put three kids in daycare? I mean, it just seemed really overwhelming. So I was at TJ Maxx, Jan end of January, and I found this really cute Rebecca Minkoff bag for $29. That's a steal. And I, yeah. And I brought it home and I looked at my husband and I was like, I'm going to sell this for a hundred bucks. Watch. And of course he said, no, no yeah. way. That's what they always say. <laughs> yeah. Two days later, I sold it for, I think, $85. I accepted an offer. And he had kind of been into Gary Vee at that time. And he was like, why don't you just do this? Like take a year, have a baby, take a maternity leave. And in a year reassess and just do this, you know, and you can be home right. with the kids and, and we'll just kind of see how that works. And I was like, okay, I mean, why not? So I took $500 and I went around, I did a lot of retail arbitrage because it was all the clearance sales. And by the end of that year, I had almost $30,000 worth of sales just from that $500. Yeah. And I that's been, crazy. I'm, yeah, it was. I mean, that wasn't profit, but that was my sale. Yeah, but still, yeah. regardless, for someone who like really didn't understand what reselling was, besides going to discount stores and flipping, which is what yeah. Amazon sellers do. Yeah, basically, we're doing Amazon, but on your own. Yeah, and I was just hooked. And I, had, I did have my kids like part time daycare. They would go like half day sometimes, or three days a week, but I felt like I was getting the best of both worlds. We would like run around and explore Charleston or go to the beach or do something fun in the mornings. And then the days they were at school, I would, I learned how the thrift stores worked. I mean, that was a big part of it. I, I figured out how the Goodwills worked and um, when, when they would bring out When did you start going to, when did you make that transition from like retail to, to thrift? That's a good question. I, so I, there's a good little like right by my house, literally like a mile away. And it, pr it probably was a month or two in and I would go and I'd be like, I don't get this. Like, this is just, I feel like you kind of have to understand. Like, I remember the day I was like, wait, that rack is coming out of brand new clothes. And I see all this Lily Pulitzer on there. And then I was like, oh my gosh. And then I saw a woman pushing a buggy around and she put these Tory Burch boots out. And I was like, okay, this is how new merchandise comes out. So I kind of started navigating the way I worked around that. And now I almost am almost 100% thrift. I mean, unless I just happen to go shopping at a store, but typically I'm only at the grocery store and Target. So yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> as a mom of three, I'm sure there's very limited stores yeah. that you're going to for fun. 
that's interesting that like that transition that you made that you mm-hmm. went the retail route first and that's mm-hmm. how you got like the oh yeah okay this is my way to make money uh-huh. and then you went the thrift store route but I mean that makes sense because you were selling and buying your own stuff which is mm-hmm. how I feel like a lot a lot of people including mm-hmm. myself like I sold my books I sold my purses mm-hmm. and like use that money to get whatever whatever that next thing mm-hmm. was or to pay whatever that next thing was um it's always interesting to hear like how everyone kind of gets yeah. into it. I I'm curious though when with the interior design because you you were heavily involved in interior design. It was yeah. a passion of yours. It was yeah. a love, and I'm sure it still is a love yeah. for you. Um, when you started thrifting, or I guess when you were doing retail, but more so I think with thrift. Do you, did you find at the time like you were still using your interior design skills that you had? Uh-huh. And like, how was that translated over now for you? Uh, I think one major advantage it gave me was like, I never had to like learn like what fabrics are or what construction is. I, I knew that. I mean, I know, I knew what every type of fabric was. I could tell quality, but with my eyes, not just with mm-hmm. my hands. So I felt like that made things move a lot faster for me. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've definitely had to keep up with learning new brands as they evolve and change with the internet but like the actual fabric content and stuff like that was a major advantage and then for don't worry about the kids it's a mom (laughs) episode and the kids can be involved it's fine sorry oh my god so if this is real life though this is being a mom and having children around that are young and you're trying to do something and you can't and the babysitter isn't showing up so, yeah, so that's good <laughs> but my oh gosh everyone that's crazy. listening can relate so don't yeah, worry <laughs> I am so, so sorry and so what was I saying oh and then for I feel like I definitely had an advantage of when Poshmark came out and said we are selling home goods I was like I am on this right now like I just no brands and some of my biggest sales have been home items more so on ebay than poshmark but things that they look at like the people in the thrift store have no the things i have no idea yeah 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 <laughs> and and like i there's this vase that um this beautiful glass vase and this symbol on it is not even a signature so you have to know what the symbol is and there's a 300 vase and it had the tags on it and like everybody kept walking by it and I'm like people this is highly collectible like I was just like so excited (laughs) so I but that's an advantage that you have over someone like me who like yeah sure I'll go through the home goods but like I'm looking for whatever I like like I'm not looking for anything I don't even know what to look for you know you have that advantage so do you think that well not that you think is your closet or your store like half and half home goods and clothes do you focus on just clothes like what does that look like I would say it's like almost 95% clothes okay Um, I don't and I think I have like 15 home items right now I haven't found anything really good lately um but I'm really selective about what I buy Mm. for home um and it really just depends on if I'm lucky enough to find it or not I wish it was more but sometimes it takes up more space it does but I also feel like when I, the stuff I find sells quicker because I just kind of have an idea what to look for, that it is primarily closed for sure. 
That's interesting because you would think that because you had the interior designer background that you might want to go more in that direction. But uh-huh. but I guess that makes, I mean, it's whatever you really find more fulfilling and it's more fun. Maybe to you, it's finding that home goods is like that added bonus of, yeah. okay, I know this, no one else does. And I know right. this is going to sell kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm very limited by just the inventory that is yeah. out there, you know? Yeah. So, and then finding it, like, there's a few different places that sell home goods that some, the, the Goodwill doesn't really know what they have necessarily yeah. compared to some other places here. So I definitely wish it was more, but sometimes like I bought this painting that I know is worth a lot of money yeah. and I haven't listed it yet. Cause I'm like, I don't want to ship this. What about like an auction house or something? Is it something yeah. like an, au- cause you guys That's a good down idea. where you are, I know there's a lot of auction houses and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I've thought about that or even cause I found really awesome furniture. Oh my yeah. gosh. Like, my daughter we're, for her birthday, she's getting her own room. And I got her like a $4,000 bedroom suit, like 300 bucks. That's crazy. I mean, it was crazy. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. But it's been sitting in my garage because we, and and so I don't have anywhere to store stuff in our house. We had so grown out of it. Yeah. So maybe once we get maybe a bigger place to live or I find like an office or some kind of exterior space, I think maybe I could do more of that. Um, Yeah. It's just, I just find it interesting that someone that has such a big background in interior design, but you're also, but like you said, you're still using it for your clothing and. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids. And for parents, try three new brainy chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There's so many aspects, I think, of clothes that that go beyond brand. Uh And a lot of us get stuck, myself included, in like focusing on just the brand. But sometimes it's more than that because I'm learning. So I am, as of this week, I am obsessed with Masterclass. I signed yeah, up. You did? I, I, I'm counting it as a business expense. I was like, this is expensive, but it's for a full year. So fine. Yeah. Oh my God. The things that I'm learning and stuff. So I just, I, I just went through a couple of like fashion and styling type mm-hmm. of um, sessions and I'm learning about brands that no one would ever know about, mm-hmm. but like the qual, if I saw it, I would know the quality is mm-hmm. good. But in terms of resale, it just doesn't exist because it's such a like a niche little thing market that mm-hmm. only the elite would even know right. about. You know what I mean? And it's like there's so much more out there. And there are brands that aren't even that expensive, but the quality of the items they're producing is so crazy. But you'd only find it in a small boutique in New York right. City kind of thing. And it's like right. just to learn about like the styling aspect of everything, like that's I've always been into styling and understanding styling and understanding why people are drawn to one thing and not another thing. Mm-hmm. It's also the psychology brain in me. Um, so to like listen to these kind of things, it's also making me think about my own business and mm-hmm. how, I don't know, how I can maybe change it or evolve mm-hmm. it in a different mm-hmm. way. Because I think the the reselling market as we knew it is no longer that mm-hmm. uh, you have live selling now, which is a component. I wouldn't say it's a major component, but it's a component of it. But you have these generations now that don't necessarily go by the brand. I mean, there's always a, 
population that goes by brand, but you have these people that are specifically looking at style for styling mm. purposes. So I, to to me, I'm trying to consume all this content so that when I am in a thrift store or wherever, if the brand is great, that's awesome. It's a, it's mm. a bonus. But if I'm finding pieces that I can style, then maybe that's the way that the secondhand market's going to kind of lean in. I completely agree with that because I have noticed when I was in high school a million years ago, I feel like in the early 2000s, everybody kind of wanted to look the same. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody had, mm-hmm. you were we like all a the same, or you were a pack mm-hmm. sun, or you were a hot topic, or you mm-hmm. were like, I just feel like everybody kind of looked mm-hmm. and that was desired. But I kind of feel like now young people are like mm-hmm. loving to be unique and find one of a kind and vintage pieces or just something that's totally different like there there's definitely a a consistent style but it's not everybody has to look the same Mm -hmm. and I'll drive downtown here to in the mornings like um when the college of Charleston and there's like so many young beautiful kids there and I just look at what they're wearing because they are so hip and cool and trendy and I am like schlubby in my leggings all the time (laughs) like like I am a generation, Maggie. Yeah. Our generation is I'm throwing on a pair of leggings yeah. and I'm calling it a day. Oh my Have a gosh. good one. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, and when, even when I get home, even if I have nice clothes on, I change out of these nice clothes because I, somebody's going to wipe banana on me or get yeah. on me. So or snot, not, one or the other. Yeah, I'm just not in a stage of life to be wearing like crop tops and like, <laughs> like holy straight leg jeans and like platform I mean some of the stuff these people wear I'm like what are you like this is so anti what I would have worn at your age it's so funny to me and then also I'm like oh, they have such cool style they are so cute and I can pay attention and learn if that's what the college kids look like that's what kids on Poshmark are buying so yeah the other part of that too that's interesting with this generation and then we'll get to the mom stuff <laughs> um but the thing that's interesting about this generation is Yes, there's like one overarching trending like style, like you said, the straight leg jeans, the wide jeans or, you know, whatever that is. But they're also very individual with it. And like Mm -hmm. if they know that that style doesn't suit them or they don't like it, they don't wear it. Unlike us in the (laughs) early 2000s, jeans. (laughs) it didn't matter that it looked awful on you. You still wore low rise Mm -hmm. jeans because you had to wear low rise jeans. That's what everyone was wearing. So I think like. And I was, this was actually one of the masterclasses that I was um, watching. I think it was um, Tan France from Queer Eye. Um, It was his masterclass. And he, he flat out says in it, like, okay, trends are cool, but trends doesn't mean that it's, it's stylish for you. Or like, it doesn't mean that you have to follow it, or it doesn't mean that that's what works for your body because okay, it looks good on this 25-year-old who's a supermodel, but on a regular average person, that style may not suit their body shape unless they look like that right? Right. supermodel. So, and and he says in this, like, if you want to wear skinny jeans, wear skinny jeans. And to me, in my head, I was like, why did I stop wearing skinny jeans? (laughs) Like on, I, I know they fit my body nicely because of my curves and I know it just suits my body nicely. I do like, um, like a small little tapered straight leg, but like, I don't, a traditional wider straight leg looks awful on me. Why did I buy some this year? Why? You will have to pull my 
skinny jeans off my cold dead body because <laughs> there is high waist skinny just that it looks good on me yeah mm -hmm. I mean I, I bought a pair of um like stovepipe jeans from Mabel. oh stovepipe is so good oh I looked so awful in these and straight I mean I have really short legs I'm only five feet tall so I'm short I thought you look so ridiculous and then I put my skinnies back on and went out for the day I'm like I can count on them <laughs> yes I I just went on the Madewell website two nights ago and bought a pair of skinny jeans they were on sale for $79 and I was like I am buying you yeah so I bought a pair of skinny jeans they will be here next week I'm very excited because to me in my head I'm like okay a pair of skinnies with combat boots and an mm -hmm. oversized sweater yeah. and there's my outfit all yeah. fall and winter like yes that but that suits my body and I think it's like maybe it's something with our generation I don't know but like we are so fixated on trying to match the trend or like trying to mimic what the trend is doing because that's how we grew up where we have a really hard time with just sticking with what we like because we feel like we have to constantly be changing what that is and I think that's why like the concepts of like a, a capsule wardrobe is so interesting to me because mm -hmm. those are pieces that are classic that you will consistently go to and it's okay to have a wide leg or it's okay to have a straight leg. If you know how to style it correctly for your body and you have the, and you feel comfortable in it. Mm -hmm. I wore wide leg pants today. I did not feel comfortable in them. They were cute on me, but I didn't feel comfortable in them. Mm -hmm. So I'm donating them this weekend. Period. Like that's that's be my new motto. If I don't feel comfortable in it and I kind of hesitate to go towards it, it's leaving my closet. And I already have a small closet because that's like a rule that I have. But that's just what I'm gonna do. One time before Oprah went off the air, I remember her talking about clothes, and she was like, had tried on some pants that she didn't like, and she was like, I am not gonna allow myself to feel bad. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to keep clothes that I don't feel good in. And I was like, light bulb, light bulb, light bulb. Like, if it doesn't make you feel good, don't bring it into your everyday. Mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter <laughs> that it's trending. Yeah. Okay, for business, it might matter. But for, like, your personal yeah. life, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, wear what you want when you want it. So you kind of talked about going to motherhood now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how you got into full-time selling and all of that. You were pregnant with your second child when you were in that transitional period or you had already okay. had your second child? I already had. So that's okay. kind of how I ended up accidentally being a full-time reseller. So I had two kids and I wanted to have another baby. And so um, we knew we wanted to have another one. And this was the beginning of 2018. And so, like I said, I had that great year in 2018, yep. but by the end of it, I wasn't pregnant and I had, I'd had a few miscarriages mm. And so then in January of 2019, I had another miscarriage and my doctor kind of got clued in, figured out what was wrong. I developed this autoimmune thing and it was an easy fix. But so I got pregnant again, but didn't have my son to the end of 2019. So that was two full years of reselling. And by that point, my oldest was in kindergarten. My middle, my daughter, she was in a pre-K program. So I was having like, Mm -hmm. all this time every day to really build my business. And then I thought when he was born, I was like, okay, I'll take three months and then I'll reassess. Well, three months later was March of 2020. So that was COVID. Not much to reassess at that yeah. point. <laughs> and then, you know, and I'm like, I'm making really good money. I don't have to put him in daycare during this crazy mm -hmm. pandemic that we don't really know what's going on. And so I just decided to keep him home with me and 
I strapped him to my chest and we just went out and did the thing. And, um, I just stuck with it. I was like, I just think this is what we're going to do. And we had decided my husband and I, at that time, we love living in Charleston. It's so wonderful here. So we've decided to stay and I had this great routine and I had all this flexibility and I could go on field trips and I could take my kids to school. Yeah, and there's so many positives, right? Yeah, so many positives. And I just was like, I, the flexibility of this is I cannot give that up right now. It just, it really makes me, I wanted to be a working mom, but I also wanted to be a present mom as much as possible. And I feel like this has given me the best of both worlds. The constant sure. struggle of every female that wants to be a mother. It's like, you want to work, you want to be successful. You, you want, that's something that a lot of us strive for, but at the same time you're a mom. So you want to be there for every waking moment that you can be there for them because those moments don't last very long. No, they don't know. And that is so evident to me between my oldest, who's nine, my youngest is about to turn three. And it's, I mean, the disparity is amazing. How much one needs me and how much one doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mean me and it makes me so sad that my oldest is just independent really my niece yeah. is nine yeah. and she could care less about auntie now in the same way that she did like even last year like yeah. it used to be i want to snuggle with auntie all the time and now oh. it's mm, i want to talk to my friends on this chat thing mm-hmm. and play roadblocks and whatever oh, else roadblocks oh, yeah <laughs> but that's but that's all she wants <laughs> to do and i'm like yeah. But you used to want to hang out with me. You mm-hmm. thought I was cool. What happened over the last 12 months that yeah. I'm not as cool as your friends now? Because the aunt is always cool. Yeah, explain that to is me. <laughs> so explain to me what, not, what, you know, but she's also like, you can see, like, they start to gain their independence. Mm-hmm. And and it's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just this weird transitional period. But then you still have your two babies, right? That yeah. That still yeah. need you. Yeah. Well, so my daughter, so I have my oldest is Luke, he's nine. And then my daughter, her name's Bennett and she's about to turn seven. And then Samuel is the baby and he's about to turn three. So my older two, they're closer in age and yeah. they are, they definitely are to a point of more independence. And, um, but the baby man, he is so spoils rotten because he is a baby and he can have whatever he wants <laughs> i just do don't you want it to end incorporate them in your business or do you not incorporate them well yeah so i do and in different ways at different times i have so when they're younger it's easier to take them with me like i um when sam was a baby i just strapped him on my chest or pushed him in the stroller gave him some snacks and i could get a good 30 minute shot that's know, pretty good yeah but i started doing it when he was little and i would bring out like a bottle of pumped milk or I mean usually yeah. if you can just give them food or it, it just something it to like keep them I know I know what you mean yeah. the older ones are a little bit harder but this summer when they weren't in school and they weren't in camp man I was just like bring your tablets and sit in the cart like I've got to shop for inventory I have to do this so your technology time is going to be while we're in the goodwill mm-hmm. and so that would work for a little while um but like, I will never bring all of them at once. Like if I have yeah. all three at a time, I will end up with something that's torn or has a stain on it or, or they will break something. I mean, it's like, it's just too many people and I don't have enough hands. 
Yes. And totally outnumbered. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing I did um, last year that worked really well is they got really into collecting beanie babies of all things. (laughs) So we would go and um, they would, their job, they would go and find beanie babies that they didn't have. And they would go through the stuffed animals and that they loved that. And stuffed animals are so cheap. And Mm. I would end up being like, okay, well, let's find one we can sell and we can pay for the whole lot. And so I actually learned a lot about plush and a little bit about plush and they got really into like, Oh, I want to sell this. I want to sell this. And that, that kept them really occupied for a while. Um, but it's definitely easier without them. That's for sure. I'm they sure. go with me to the post office a lot. They love to carry boxes into the post office. And so they know, you know, mommy's working like when I'm taking photos or whatever, but it, it's, it's fun and hard at the same time, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure when, when they get a little bit older, like your son, for example, like this would be a good way for him to make some money for whatever Mm -hmm. it is that he wants. Like, okay, well you can take all these clothes that mommy needs to photograph and you can get them all ready and all hung or, you know, whatever, and teach them that. I think that's the beauty of um, a lot of resellers in our community that have children, you know, in that in-between age where like they can't go out and get a job yet, but they also want to earn things and be able to buy things that they want. So incorporating them in the business and kind of showing them like, hey, this is what I do. And this is how we make money to pay for things for you. And and kind of just showing them that that work ethic can exist, whether you're working from home or you're working in a traditional job. Because I think in today's world, it's so different. Like you don't have to necessarily go work in a retail store. You don't have to go work in an office. You don't have to babysit. Like you can... You can find another way to make money. Look at all the young kids that are on YouTube doing reviews of things or playing on Twitch. And like, there's just so many different ways to make an income. It's Mm -hmm. crazy to me. It is crazy. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. There's just so many and different industries in which to do it. But the internet just really makes everything so accessible to it. And I want them to know like the value of hard work. And yeah, I think that, you know, partly because my parents, I did have to buy a lot of my clothes and I, they really instilled a, like a budget and like yeah. saving your money. And because of that and working hard, like I worked, you know, for, since I was 16 and I really think that helped me to be more driven, like in building this business and sticking with it and showing them like how to be responsible with their money that you can get what you want, but you have to work for, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's really, it's good for them to see every day what I'm doing. And we even talk about ever since um, Poshmark started doing closet insights. So my goal every month they know is to do better than the same month last year. And so they'll be like, what does your graph look like? Where's your gray bar? Where's your green bar? Have you met your goal yet? And so we like talk about, you know, what I'm trying to What a to great achieve. math lesson. Yeah. Real yeah. life math lesson about money. Things they don't teach kids in oh, school. Right. <laughs> like everyday things. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's the beauty of reselling and and when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
when you have older children, being able to to show them the aspect of it and teach them, okay, so this is the money that came in this month. These are the things that we need to, you know, whether that can be hypothetical things, things we need to pay for. And this is the money that we have, but we still have to pay for inventory and we got to save money for taxes and like showing them what that even looks like. Because when you work at a regular retail store, everything comes out automatically. You don't really understand any, right. of, that, oh, any yeah. of it. You're like, oh, I paid how much in taxes? Okay. Like, but it doesn't yeah. make any sense to you. Yeah. But I like that. I like when parents can somehow, what, no matter what the age is, incorporate their children, no matter how difficult it is when you have younger children to be able to go out and do the necessary things that you need to do, you find ways. However that right. may be, you'll find a way to to get that 30 minutes, to get that hour, whatever it is, to get the stuff that you need to continue to grow your business and make it successful. Is there anything that you had to start to let go as motherhood kind of progressed for you within your business? Are there like aspects that you really enjoyed doing before that now you're like, okay, with this three-year-old and I got the other two older ones, I got to worry about like what I need to let this go. I mean, well, that's why I don't really do social media. I don't blame (laughs) you. (laughs) Yeah, I have an account. um, And I I use it to, to watch. I watch a lot of other resellers and just to see new brands and see what people are picking up. And so I can Mm -hmm. keep learning that way, but I'm like, I don't have the time to think about content to post or the amount of time that it would take to be successful on social media. That's a lot of work. And yeah, why do you think I I don't do it? Yeah. And I don't know if I necessarily have anything different to add or that's unique to add, like for the amount of time I would have to put into it. I'd rather just put that time into actually making money on my business. So I know what you could do. Yeah. Not going to be. I know what you could do, but it's not oh. reseller related. Oh, what? <laughs> you can use your interior design background oh. and you can do content based off, but you could be reseller related and do content based off of fabric and talking about fabric and talking about designs and comparing and contrasting and knowing the difference between this type of fabric and that type of fabric. Like you can take what you're, because oh. I think when we're in the reselling community, we assume that we have to just do what, what all the larger accounts do because they were the ones who started it, right? They kind of right. initiated that all. So it's all the things that they've done. But you can find other ways to educate, if that's what you want to do, educate the reseller community, but also tap into a different audience as well, where it's not necessarily just resellers. And right. that's where you kind of, you know, that's when social media could be monetized for you because brands could reach out to you or companies could reach out to you and say, hey, we... um upholster different types of materials and we'd love for you to share you know if you could share our sustainable fabrics with your audience kind of thing you know what I mean like that's you could do something like that if you wanted to just an idea (laughs) that came to me maybe in like two years when yeah when when the little (laughs) one starts to go to school yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and that's like with all the new like the live selling and all of it I get definitely I haven't even don't do it yeah, I, Don't do I it. love the idea of it. I mean, when I was seven, I told my mom I wanted to be a QVC host. That was like my dream job. So I could like talk about sheets and thread count and like whatever else. I loved it. So I feel like I really would love doing that. But it looks like so much work and so much time. And I just know like I can't even go down that path right now. There is literally no way I could add that in. To the business. So I'm excited to watch how it progresses mm. and, and learn for it, but I'm definitely open to it. Just not yet. 
Yeah. And I think that's good knowing like where, where your boundary is with that too, because I, we've the other mom episodes that we've had, they are live selling with the exception of Mogi is not live selling, but the other ones, they, they are, they've done it. And, um, you know, they make it work, but, but it's, I don't, I don't think everyone needs to try to make it work. I, I'm not a, a mom yet, but I work full time and I do this and I, on occasional YouTube video comes out when I feel like <laughs> it. And, but I still need to do things for my business. I still need to source. I still need to photograph. I need to ship sales. I also enjoy having a life and doing you have other a full-time things. job. <laughs> yeah. But I also enjoy like, yeah, doing things with, mm-hmm. with, my family and you know like and that to me is more important than live sales will i do one eventually yeah probably like i think all of us at some point are going to tap into it especially on a platform like poshmark where it's going to be so much easier for us to pull our listings that are already up there anyway and it's more of like organizing it and getting it ready for the show um i think it's great for everyone to experience it at least once but when they're ready to experience it i think in this community and many niche communities, everyone jumps on the next mm-hmm. big thing, right? Whether that's a brand, uh, a, a platform, whatever. Um, but sometimes it's okay to sit back and be like, good on all you. I hope it works for all of you. Yeah. I'm going to watch, I'm going to learn. And yeah. then when I'm ready, maybe I'll do it. And yeah. if you never do it, I think that's great too. Yeah. Because <laughs> that means what you're doing works for you. Yeah. I don't think I could do a live sale with how I currently have things structured. Okay. I think I'd be able to pull like items that maybe haven't moved that well that I think would move better if you actually physically saw it on a screen kind of thing, you know, and it was a live sale type thing and it was started really low. So like a good way to liquidate. I I think I, you know, I could do that. Um, But I feel like I would need to source specifically for a live sale to make it make sense for me. Oh. But then I lose that aspect of like really enjoying Cause I enjoy sourcing and mm. finding those like unique, really well-made expensive pieces or brands that like, maybe not everyone really knows, or like, I enjoy that part of it. I, I obviously like the money that comes from it too, but <laughs> I, I enjoy that side of it. The stylish, like finding styles and trends. Yeah. Okay. I, I do that as well. But like, I feel like with a live sale, you need to be very curated, very specific. Uh-huh. Because people are going to come into that show. You need to have a wide range of sizes. So, like, I feel like that requires a lot of planning to be number one, right? Like, I need to make sure I've got everything from an extra small to, like, a three or four X. Like, I want to make sure I'm inclusive because that's super important to me. And as my business has grown, I really try to focus on that while I'm sourcing. It's hard, but I try. Yeah, it's so hard. It's, It's extremely difficult. And it's like, you know, how do I bring that to a live show? How do I translate what I'm doing now? into a live show and still be able to make the profit that I need to make. Because if I'm going to put this much work into it, then my profit margins, I know are going to be different, but it better be damn close. Right. Well, and, and when you, with using it as liquidation, I would just rather just take it to the buy, sell trade store. Yeah. I'm only or set it to thread up and get anyway, a partner kit. Like, yeah, I could, but I, I really do love the idea of it. So I am excited to see how it progresses, but like just in this stage of motherhood, I just, no, no, I, I just can't, I can't handle I'm it. I'm glad that you brought it up because it's like one of my last questions, but I'm glad yeah. that you brought it up because oh, yeah. I think, I think it's a, it's a relevant topic that's going on right now in the community. I think a lot of moms are struggling with, with this because 
you're seeing two extremes. You're seeing the moms that are constantly on live selling. Mm -hmm. So you're constantly on and in front of a camera Mm -hmm. that also the aftermath of that requires you to now ship all these things, organize it all, make sure everything is bundled. Like that's like a, you're talking a full eight hour shift now between live selling and doing everything else. When do you have time to do everything else that you need to do? Right. Well, and what I love about reselling is that I'm not committed to any time frame for anything. So I, I mean, I have, I drop my kids off at eight 30 and I leave to pick them up at three 30. So those are my times like to get as much done as I possibly can and listing and sourcing and whatever, but, and then just like home stuff, like I had to go get a birth certificate today and that, you know, like if I had had a full-time job, that would have been my lunch break or, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. So the flexibility that it gives me to make my own schedule and kind of move my times around, it's just priceless. Mm -hmm. It just, it's the best of both worlds to be able to be with your kids and do what they need you to do. And then also make a full-time income, but not necessarily have to wake work full-time hours. Yeah. And I feel like with live selling, you are working full-time hours. Yeah. And it's you not, you don't have a choice. It. Yeah. You have to be there. You can't stop. And, mm-hmm. and like, you have I to told, source for it. Yeah. And you need to have to enough. Ship. Yeah. And I, I try to ship every day, but like today I just couldn't get there. So I didn't really have to worry about, you know, like, I guess you probably have the same leeway in shipping, Mm, but I feel like the culture, I feel like the culture it's being built is you're shipping the next day. Yeah. And so I just, I didn't worry about it today, but I would feel so overwhelmed by having all of those packages and Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) And this is why I think if you're going to go into live selling, I think everyone should do it. You should try Mm -hmm. it, but I think you need to have the same type of business plan that you have for your traditional way of selling. You need to have it for live selling. What, what's the time frame that you're going to allocate to it? How are you going to source for it? How much are you going to spend on it? How much are you going to start your items at? Um, what's the shipping process going to look like? Yeah. When are you going to ship? What, like just everything. When are you going to contact your buyers? Because on Poshmark, bundling isn't a thing yet. So you might have to manually bundle a bunch of stuff. So oh, what is that going to look like for you? <laughs> just all of that. It's just, I, I just think that when... Like you said, you can't do it right now. You've got so many things with just being a mom and running a business that you need to focus on. And I think it's empowering to hear someone say that like, hey, I think it's great. I'm interested in it. And I see other moms doing it, but it's just not for me. Yeah. It's just not for me right now. All right. So enough about live selling because I could go on all day about that. It's just like such like a new thing in the community. And I feel like it's divided the community so much in like so many different ways. It's bizarre to me um, where it's like you all, you have to be all in or not. And I feel like they can be a middle ground in this. You can be all in on it if you want, but you can also like sit on the sidelines and make it work for you when it needs to work. But like it doesn't have to be right now. And just observe and wait and see how it plays out. Yeah. And who knows? Like I, and it could be something fun that your kids could do with you too. I mean, you don't, they could bring the next item up and like now you're making it a family affair. And I think like there's different ways to do it, but whatever. (laughs) Anyway. Um, so we talked about things that you let go. Is there anything that like you are holding on to whether it's in the business or not in the business that, um, even though motherhood is very demanding that like you just need to make sure you keep it with you, whatever that is. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's something that you enjoy doing. Maybe something you like to listen to. I love like having the time 
just I'm, I'm a big introvert so like just having the time to myself and like time to kind of decompress and I feel like sourcing is kind of that time for me when I do it on my own and even though it's still working like I don't want to let go of that like I don't want to start doing online sourcing I like to go and put a podcast in and just kind of just thrift you know and do that that really is kind of like my me time because it's still fun it's not really even though it is my job it doesn't necessarily feel like my job mm. you know because it's still fun for me um so I definitely don't want to let that part of it go but I don't know, I don't know it's hard no but like yeah. it, this is a hard question and that's why we have it on here because yeah. I think <laughs> as moms you let everything go yeah I know that's what I was just thinking I'm like what have I held on to you've let everything go but like I feel like as a human and this is me not obviously I'm not a mother yet but I feel like us as women we need to keep something for ourselves even though it's really really hard not to and yes Mm -hmm. okay sourcing is something you can keep for yourself but finding that one thing so you like to listen to podcasts like that's something that you do for you because it's like a way to decompress Mm -hmm. for someone else maybe it's like drinking tea in a bubble bath for 10 minutes because that's all that you have but just that 10 minutes is like enough to make you feel like a human again Mm -hmm. um I think for some women it's getting ready in the morning because I think when you're a stay-at-home mom or full-time reseller um and you know this episode is brought to you by Bumble So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble you just don't have time to get ready for yourself. So like right. taking maybe an extra 10 minutes after the kids are off doing whatever they're doing mm-hmm. or baby's down for a nap, like mm-hmm. washing your face, right. brush your hair. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that. So the baby, he's like I said, he's almost three, but every night around 4 a.m. he's hollering for mom and he wants to come down and get in the bed. And with my first, I would have nipped that in the bed. and mm-hmm. like, no, stay in your own bed. But with my baby, he's my baby. He's my last one and he's going to grow up. So every night I go upstairs and I bring him downstairs and I put him in the bed and then he's a really light sleeper. And so he wakes up at my alarm every morning. So I used to wake up way before my kids. I would share my Poshmark closet before you could bulk share. And I would go through emails and kind of get ready for the day. And that is something like, I don't want to give up that time with him snuggling him in the morning. You know, because I know it's going to go away mm-hmm. relatively soon. Maybe not, but but the sacrifice of that is waking up and getting ready and spending time on myself. I mean, it's true. You just you give up everything yeah. for your kids or just to make your life easier <laughs> just <laughs> it, through the day. You exactly. Know? It's a reality. And it's and I think you're like the perfect person to have on and talk about like that in between time of like, okay, I have some kids that are grown, but I still got this little yeah. one at, that still needs me Oh yeah, in a capacity that the other ones don't anymore. So I'm like in limbo land over here where mm-hmm. I would love to have the freedom because of the two older kids, but I can't because I have a three-year-old that still requires a lot of my time. Yeah. So it's like trying to find that constant balance. And, and I think, the whole point where we even did this series was to hear how other moms are dealing with it and like the struggles that they have and how they try to 
find ways and just empower each other to to know like it's okay if this is where you're at like yeah totally fine well and it's definitely it's okay one thing that I have had to let go is like my business is not going to grow the way I want it to grow like it's just not like when my kids were home with me this summer like oh my my sales were terrible but I also had a really fun summer with my kids and we did a lot of which is way more important way more important and so I've had to let go like my goal-driven personality if I want to be here I want to be here like I just have to like be good enough to like keep going mm-hmm. but you know it's the time with them is so limited but I will say especially for moms with the little little ones like it gets easier it really does like when my two oldest were six and eight I just remember having a day where I thought wow this is a lot less stressful than normal <laughs> <laughs> They can occupy themselves. They can get their own snacks. They can go to the bathroom mm-hmm. by themselves. I mean, just they're so much more independent and it makes my job, like when I'm working a lot easier mm-hmm. compared to when the, the baby just is always around or needing something and needing help and just makes life a little bit more difficult. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Them, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I feel like new moms because we've had a couple of new moms on but like the new moms are like I want to be able to run my business the way that I need to run my business and it's like that push and pull right like I need to be successful at it and because I've been successful this entire time before this little little human came into my life but I also want to spend every waking moment with this child because it's super important to me and I don't want to miss anything and it's like there is no perfect world and you have to let something go and you have to maybe change your entire business model because yeah. of this one little human that's in your life now that you love unconditionally. But like this thing has now changed everything about oh, yeah. your business. I can't imagine how hard that would have been. It, I mean, I think I was lucky in, in the uniqueness that I kind of started doing this when I had two kids. So I kind of knew what my capacity was and really what I was willing to like only works this many days a week. And it's just kind of adapted as they've gotten older, but to not have any kids and then to, that is an enormous change and mm-hmm. just everything like the time and ooh, yeah, that's a lot. And and then when I had my baby, when he was born during the middle of it, by the time the third one's born, you're like, this is easy peasy. Like bring yeah. a good diaper in a bottle and you're good to go. Like, it's just totally different. The it more is. you get, comfortable with motherhood and more relaxed you get and Mm -hmm. understanding what's a big deal what's not a big deal it's true it's it's a learning curve but when you're a brand new mom and it's like I have been successful for the last five to six years and I've been making x amount of dollars and now you're here and I can't do that at all (laughs) like yeah I can't do that no matter what I try like I just can't do it um yeah there's just that but so speaking off of what you just said Moving on into the future. So mm-hmm. where do you see your business going? How do you see it evolving? Um, do you want to take it to that next level as your kids start to get older? Like, what does that look like for you? Maybe it's a storefront. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's all e-commerce. Yeah, I definitely just want to stick with like online. I I don't want the commitment of having to be at a store or being responsible for that. I just, I love like the passive nature of list it sell it kind of make your own flexible mm-hmm. you know day with that once the baby gets to kindergarten <laughs> he's very excited about this conversation 
<laughs> once he gets to kindergarten, I think I'm going to try to focus more. I'm hoping that we'll have moved to a bigger house by that time. Yeah. We need an extra. We need an extra space. We've totally grown. We only have a three bedroom house yeah. with five people in it. It's a lot. I need this. Yeah, like all my inventory is in the kids' closets, in the garage, and I mean, it's all over the house. And their toys are everywhere. So it's just constant mess, constantly. So I want to get either into an office space or yeah. have a home that has an office like and kind of completely isolate the business from the rest of the house that's like my big big goal um as far as like financial goal of it I've been growing every year consistently and so I just want to keep growing I mean I have a number that I, I my goal goal is mm. but until he's like in kindergarten I'm just like I'm right now I just try to beat meet or beat what I did the same time last year and so far I've been able to do it and and you've been able to do it with three children yeah yeah last month was the first or October was the first month I hadn't done it in a year and I was super sick and Halloween October is just like the craziest month anyway so of course mommy has to do it all of course we're almost done I promise just two more minutes okay two more minutes we're almost done so what are some final tips that you would give to some of our mom reseller friends that are listening or soon to be moms or people who are thinking about being moms what tips would you give them in terms of trying to grow this business or they're feeling discouraged and how are you able to balance all of this what would you tell them um give yourself grace all the grace in the world this is hard motherhood is hard mentally physically it's hard and owning a business is hard I mean Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work and just like letting yourself having self-compassion to be like I have a lot going on there women are expected to do so much moms are expected to do so much (laughs) like if you don't if you aren't where you want to be now that doesn't mean you never will be like I just really tried to like just be good enough like you don't have Mm -hmm. to be perfect you don't you just have to be good enough to keep going and get through the season because this the saying like the days are long but the years are short is so so true I mean it is so true so just give yourself the grace to know that you are still strong you are still capable but you have a lot going on and it's hard and it's okay to not meet every goal yeah no matter how hard it is to like acknowledge that it's fine and the great thing is and I think Hopefully it's what this podcast is doing as well is like build a community of people around you, listen to people who encourage you, listen to content that makes you feel good or motivates you or makes you feel like you're being heard. And there are other people out there just like you try to network with some of these people have been in the podcast, talk to them. I can tell you for a fact, they are open and they want to talk to you. So never hesitate to reach out to anyone who's on the podcast um, because you can form a really great relationship and bounce ideas off of other people and just be like, Hey, I know you went through this. I'm going through it right now. What, what did you do? Or maybe someone's really good at one specific type of category and you're not, but you found this really cool piece and, you know, just find those people that are going to make you feel uplifted and just feel good about yourself. Even when things seem impossible and super hard because it happens all the time. Um, so that's it. Cause Maggie's got to go. Cause these kids need her like <laughs> yesterday. 
<laughs> thank you so much maggie for coming yeah. on to the podcast it was so fun to sit down yeah. and get to know yeah. you um maggie's information so i will link her instagram you guys make sure you go follow her even though she doesn't put up content who knows she might get inspired and do something i did make a post yesterday <laughs> okay see see, see she yeah. might be inspired um and we will be back next week so next week we are going to launch another episode on whatnot and posh maybe shows um we're just going to talk about live selling with a guest who has been on oh i think she was on season two it's been a while um but we're going to talk about her experience because this individual does not have a social media following um, besides YouTube. So she does not have Instagram or anything. So getting her perspective on it and how life sales has kind of evolved since the last time we had someone on talking about it. So you'll stay tuned for that next week. And then we've got some few other things going on. And then uh, if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that at the end of the year, we usually put out a post to have people that want to come on to the podcast, submit Whatever type of entry we decide to do, that is coming your way probably at the end of the month. Jen and I need to work out those details. Um, But yeah, other than that, we will talk next time. Bye, everyone.